the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us today, we have Luis Merchant, who is uh, the president, CEO and of um, Flora Growth, which just recently listed via direct IPO on NASDAQ. Um, welcome, Luis. Hello, Richard, and it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, for our listeners who aren't uh, as familiar, uh, Flora is one of the uh, Colombian-based companies that, of course, also has a presence in North America. Um, has been growing quite steadily through the last while, but also did the uh, did the recent listing for uh, over 150, almost 200 million dollars, and I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Um, as you did it, why don't you walk us through a bit of the process and, you know, how you uh, how you managed to drive that uh, that listing because it came out of uh, the industry not having as much activity recently. Uh, from a Colombian perspective, and that's been great for the uh, the marketplace there as a whole. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. So first of all, we our, our company uh, was founded in 2019, and we founded the company under the idea of, of growing one of the best organic, natural, outdoor cannabis in, in the world. And we knew that in order to do so, we needed to find the best possible geography, which of course, in our assessment, and it's going, it's going to prove, prove to be true is Colombia. And then second, we wanted to develop a, a CPG company, a, a true company that could develop uh, CPG products to be distributed to consumers. And we, we have been able to uh, accomplish both of those, of, of those uh, goals. Now, along the way, of course, we, were, we have become very proficient at uh, raising capital because we have proven to our investors that we can execute. And a big step that we took, as you mentioned, was the, list, the listing on NASDAQ. And, and we, cho- we chose the route of going uh, direct listing because we wanted to prove to the industry that not only we were very capable in overcoming the, the, the tough regulatory environment in cannabis, but that we were also able to comply from a financial standpoint and reporting st- standpoint to um, uh, oversight industries and, and agencies such as the SEC. That's fantastic. Um, leading up to the listing, you mentioned you'd uh, been successful raising a bunch of capital prior. How much did you raise? And tell me about building the team. Of course, the, the, uh, clearly um, the, the year prior to our, to our listing, so in 2020, we could find, successfully completed a pre-IPO equity raise, and we raised $30 million, and uh, we through a reggae, reggae, reggae plus, and, and we were oversubscribed by the month of, of October, finalized the, the raise on, on November. Yeah, what that was exciting about was the fact that uh, when, we, when we were closed, we were left with 10,600 investors, 85% of which are located in the United States. And that immediately signaled to us that there was a strong appetite for another cannabis story uh, from the investor community. And we started to pursue the listing at NASDAQ. Right. And, you know, prior to that, and of course, since it, you've been busy building out the team and your background. I know you, uh, you went to Harvard and did a marketing management degree, but, and prior to that, you were with Macy's um, in a senior operations and strategy role as their uh, VP. How have you drawn upon that experience, bringing it into cannabis space? And what drove you into the cannabis space as a point of interest? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think one of the, the most interesting um, steps in, in my career and evolutions in terms of the, of the cannabis industry has been the change in God, in terms of leadership. I think early on, the, the people that were leading the cannabis industry were had, had traditionally been in the black market and transitioning to leading mm-hmm. an industry that now became legal. Uh, the evolution of cannabis has been now the migration of, of executives and leaders in multiple industries that are not only capable of raising capital, but that can actually execute on the fundamentals of a business uh, in terms of operation and supply chain, and of course, leadership. And, and that's what draw me to the, to the industry, but it has been also one of the foundational priorities of our company. We, we wanted to make sure that we built a multidisciplinary team that had experience in, in, in financing operations, supply chain, as well as marketing and branding, because we knew that would be the only way of creating a, a differentiated story, not only in cannabis, but also in CPG. And, you know, the Flora strategy for going forward, you're, you know, you've got some brand, uh, a brand portfolio, you're looking, uh, you're doing large scale outdoor grow as part of what you mentioned earlier. What else do you plan on doing beyond expanding at uh, Bucaramanga uh, going for, from your production perspective? Where do you see the company in the next 18 to 24 months? Uh, we, we're certainly going to continue to expand our, our ambitions international, uh, internationally. Clearly, we, we started to deploy our M&A strategy, and that included a number of very interesting transactions from a revenue and distribution standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is Hoshi International. Uh, are you familiar with Hoshi, Richard? Yep, I've come across it, but are, that's yes. let's eliminate so, the listeners. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. So, so Hoshi is a tremendous story. It's a, it's a company out of Canada that has operations only in Europe. The, the purpose of the company is to create uh, not only a great API inputs, but also distribution of, of cannabis products throughout uh, the European Union. And, and the great interesting story is the people behind it. Uh, leaders like Michael Haynes and John Aird, which has been former founders and, and leaders of companies such as Metrum and Fire and Flower. And of course, these are industry experts that know how to grow businesses and, and have had multiple successful exits. Um, we, we took a, a minority stake in, in, their, in their company because we know we're gonna become their preferred client. They're gonna be able to leverage their know-how and the distribution. Uh, the, the second of which is, is Heimat, and Heimat is a, is a company from Switzerland um, that, that uh, developed the first uh, can pre-roll from hemp in the, in the world. Uh-huh. The company was founded in 2016, has $7.5 million in trailing revenues, is a tremendous addition to our portfolio, and is our expansion to, uh, to our CPG and international ambitions. And so that's our plan. We started to develop it. We're going to continue to expand globally, and we're likely going to become a leader in the cannabis industry from a CPG perspective. No, that's uh, that's quite interesting. And you know, one of the things you um, you're you're discussing is you know having the footprint in multiple jurisdictions, which is you know, especially if you've you're uh, picking up the company and working with the companies that already have strong trailing revenues, like the Swiss company you just mentioned, um, Heimed. Now, going into Europe, EU GMP certification from the, you know, produced products and GACP leading up to the, depending on where you're starting that production, if it's EU GMP dried flour, or if it's going to be GACP through the flour and then EU GMP through the finished products, what's your strategy there? It's, it's precisely the, the latter portion of what you just mentioned. So, is, is GACP flour through GMP EU 
transformation. Uh -huh. uh, but they, our, our work there has been exceptionally advanced. We expect to receive our GACP certification in the next 60 days. Um, in fact, our first commercial cultivation of, of non-psychoactive cannabis is being harvested this week as we speak. And that's, that's a very exciting uh, step in the right direction for our company. So are you then, the first harvest of which? Commercial. 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 Oh, great. Psychoactive cannabis. Right. Yeah, we're, we're super excited that, that we have achieved that milestone. And the yep. next one will be to use our input into the, our, our already established portfolio of products, which will happen shortly after. Right. Yes, it's a, it's a critical stage and it's always exciting. Now, one of the things we uh, run into, of course, in Colombia is the difficulty with exporting. And that's, a, that's an ongoing challenge. And I'd like to discuss that after we take a short break for, our, uh, for the show. But we'll be back in just a minute with Luis Merchant from Flora Growth. And I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Luis Marchand from uh, Flora Growth. And Luis, just before we were, uh, the break, we started talking about uh, EUGMP and the necessity of it for, or the importance of it for export perspectives as well as GACP. But, you know, Colombia, I've obviously been participating in the industry there for a few years. One of the challenges is the government has dragged its feet with regards to opening up exports, where that was a promise that was made to myself and others back in you know, 2018, as we were entering the market of it opening up, it's been a very slow part of the process. And it's really impeded the ability of a lot of, well, almost all the Colombian companies to execute from the revenue perspective. The company's been able to do the certifications, get the standards in place, get the grow going, get everything done. But access to world markets has been crippled by the government, which, you know, doesn't make sense from a government looking for tax revenues. With everything that's going on there, what do you do? You see that changing in the near term? I know there's lots of discussions, and how transformative will it be for the industry in Colombia? It would be it would be dramatic. The change in terms of growth and economic prosperity, if the exports of dry flour come to fruition, and you're absolutely right. I think it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when when it when it's going to happen. The challenge that the Colombian cannabis industry is experiencing right now is that the longer this takes to happen, the further we're going to to be from meaningful. Uh, capital investment from the international community, and 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 I think that is a is a risk that as an industry in Colombia, the, the government is is taking, and and clearly every day that passes by will will be more more dollars that are being diverted into other countries like Chile or Uruguay that are already adopting more liberal stances on it. 
Um, but I, I do believe that there are a number of, of companies in Colombia that are, are finding ways of genera generating revenues while these, these types of legislature hurdles are, are cleared. Like one yes. of those companies, of course, is, is mine, where we are selling a portfolio of CPG product. And I, and I think that's what will, will, will happen. Uh, a lot of companies are going to migrate to develop and finish product because it has lower barriers of access than dry flour. So we'll, we'll see, but I certainly expect that the industry will thrive eventually and, and become a global leader as it should. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I've always been very bullish on Colombia being a, a massive opportunity and just look forward to the government removing the barriers to allowing the people to succeed because uh, right now that's really, it's the government standing in the way of its own people, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But I know that, uh, you know, there's lots of other problems the government's dealing with presently. Um, you know, you mentioned talking about the focus going to be on the brands and the finished product. And that, that is a path out. If you've got a finished product with a, the equivalent of a DIN number, you're able to export. And companies are able to export uh, pure CBD and isolate form to the U.S. and elsewhere as well. Um, you also mentioned that you're doing a lot of R&D. The, you know, the strategy is diversified that you've adopted. It's got a, a number of pieces uh, to it that are really all in play at the same time. Um, and it's ideal in terms of your, your verticalized operation from that perspective, which a lot of companies aren't. Where do you see the, the future of your, you know, your revenue drivers coming from? And what's going to be the most impactful? Because Columbia being a producer is one thing, but the biggest margin, of course, is in the last, the last, the final mile with the customer. Yes, that, that answer will be based on the on on a timeline, and mm -hmm. and what that, what I mean by that is that what's happening in in our organization today is that our CPG products and the, the finished products that we can actually export into the into the world are generating 100% of the revenues, and there are right. no revenues from our cultivation and extraction facility. Uh, over the midterm, we expect the balance to be 70-30. Um, 70, 30 in terms of contribution being CPG 70 and, and extraction 30. And as regulations and the laws in Colombia relax and allow us to maximize our exports, it will be over the long term, a 50-50, 60-40 approach, depending on the cyclical nature of a CPG business versus a wholesale, a wholesale business. Uh, but but we, we certainly believe that finished products and that the categories in which we're, we're playing, there's gonna be a gap in supply and demand. And there's, we have been very thoughtful about the types of products, partnerships in terms of people that we collaborate with and brand and recognition that we pick to ensure that, that we generate meaningful revenues over the long term. Yeah, and you're looking to serve customers, I mean, right around the globe from that perspective. And, you know, when I look at your portfolio, You've got, um, you know, food and beverage and skincare, a big part of that. What made you choose those two markets and where do you, where do you look at that production happening and the big market update being? From a food and beverage standpoint, it's, uh, it's a gap in, in, in terms of opportunity that has not been met in the industry. We, mm -hmm. we, are, we are the one and only company in Colombia that is developing uh, food and beverage products. Yeah, at, at, at this moment. And the reason why this is happening is because uh, the, the regulation in Colombia is not clear about this. And we're taking a, a, a gamble here, which we assess that it's going to change. And, and the, the, the creek that is coming is, is, is showing us that it will change and will allow us to become 
uh, 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 point of origin, revenue generating, point of origin of great food and beverage products worldwide. <laughs> and so, so that's a, a big reason why we picked that industry. And the, the second one that you were asking me about, which one was it? Skincare. And skincare is the lowest barrier of access for CBD infused, infused products. Uh, obviously, Richard, my yep. background was in, in beauty. I, I've led product and brand development as well as selling and distribution in, in the United States for one of the biggest retailers in the world. In, uh, in Macy's, Asia. right? And Macy's and, yep. and obviously developing a brand that resonates with the mass consumer in the U.S. and a brand that resonates with the prestige consumer in the U.S. Uh -huh. uh, that we knew how to market, that we partnered with the right, with the right, with the right partners. And we, we, we knew that we would be able to penetrate that market fairly uh, in, a, in, a, in a fairly rapid manner. And, you know, for those skincare products, if they're purely CBD based, you do have an easy access to, to import into most markets where if you're able to show the purity, are, are you working to 100% off isolate or are you still trying to have some measure of an entourage effect in terms of having a blend of cannabinoids in the in the products? Yes, it's, it's somewhat challenging, as, as you know, we, we are currently working with isolate 100%, um, but it's, it's certainly because of uh, the, the restrictive nature of working with full spectrum. Right. Uh, but, but we do know that consumers want to experience the full entourage effect. So you're, you're absolutely right. We have formulations. We just want to make sure that, that we achieve consistency lot by lot to ensure that we comply and you know, get our hands slapped by regulators when we launch such, such brands. Yes, fractionating it all the time and just having to adjust the blends is a, a costly and time-consuming process. But I think if you're, you've got the formulations ready to go as the regulations catch up to you, You've got a great product line, series of product lines to issue, right? And that's key in building the brand is start with something good and build it out from there. So, you know, and and with that, you know, you where do you, as you've been developing the the organization, you've got distribution opportunities that are strong within LATAM as a whole. And, and Colombia, of course, is its own market, but it's it's a crowded and busy market with so many uh, participants, but you've got Mexico that just is opening up more and more on a consistent basis. Um, Brazil, Peru, of course, I am very familiar with, and it's been growing uh, rapidly for a small country. Um, where do you see your focus as a strategy being? Is it going to be in LATAM? Is it going to be the US and Europe? Where, where do you see Flora really, not the long term, but in the short term, where, where's that foothold, those growths going to happen? Well, uh, over the short term, the answer is very simple. Obviously, we just made a significant move in, in Switzerland. Uh, uh -huh. Will be a significant focus for revenues, not only for the brand that we acquire there, but for the distribution that we're going to achieve with our other brands in the in the same network. So uh -huh. Switzerland happens to be a, a focus of our attention over the short term, and the United the United States and Colombia, those three countries will will contribute the majority of the revenue. In the US, based on, on the category of products that we're working, we are already selling a multitude of products in 45 of, of the 50 states. So clearly those three countries are gonna be the, the short-term contributors. Yeah, and the Swiss market, you know, people think, well, Switzerland is just a country of about 7 million people by now, but the reality is it's a gateway to the rest of Europe as well, because the standards are high. Um, the focus is there. There's the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, overwhelmingly based there or has operations, especially around the Basel area. And, uh, you know, it's well recognized as a, a market that produces pure quality. 
And so that's a, a great entree into the rest of Europe as well, although you still have to deal with some of the other European issues. The reality is once it comes from as a Swiss product, people take it with a bit of a measure of faith. That's correct. Which, you know, I've, <laughs> and being half Swiss, I, I like to say that every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's absolutely true. I mean, there's a, a, there's a brand recognition that comes from, from being made in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a level of comfort that consumers have today. And that's a reason, frankly, for why we chose to acquire this company. Yes. And I mean, uh, uh, Swiss products are viewed by the consumer, a level of trust. They understand there's probably a level of compliance. There's a level of transparency available. And there's a history of quality that they just automatically confer to those products blindly um, and because it's held up over time. So that's been, that's a really smart, you know, direction for, I think for your company who have taken on as part of the distribution for Europe, it, uh, it makes a tremendous amount of sense and very logical. We do have to take one more break, but we're going to be back again with Luis Marchand from uh, Flora Growth and I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Luis Marchand from uh, Flora Growth. And Luis, um, you know, Flora is a really exciting uh, company for what it's done and really uh, eye-opener in the industry. And for, you know, people who are looking to check out more information, of course, apart from the floragrowth.ca website, uh, they can check out uh, through their uh, stock tickers, FLGC. But, you know, it's a cannabis company which has been coming at the market from the brand perspective as opposed to so many coming from the bottom up with developing the grow and le- and then supplying everybody who needs the product. And, you know, with your recent um, uh, direct IPO, the company is going to go through an inevitable growth spurt. How have you been addressing dealing with that team and, you know, the, 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 the various difficulties of growth that that all brings together, having all of a sudden become a public company and having to meet the requirements and standards that are ongoing, but having the team in place that can, you know, you're almost running two companies at the same time is what I always explain to people. One's a public company and the other is the operational one. How are you handling that? And what are you doing with the team to uh, to meet those demands? I think uh, the, the priority number one that I established when I became CEO of the company was to ensure that we had the best talent in the industry. 
And uh, we have been very careful and thoughtful about making sure that we build a team to have it ready for when the company became public. And you're absolutely right. Not, not only the, 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 the transition into the, into the IPO became a significant change in the, the needs of the company, but because we have been able to be very successful in our CPG story behind the brands we have launched and the products that we're, that we're developing at a rapid pace, we have been approached by multiple comp- companies that now want to collaborate with us. Uh, right. So we now have to contend with that exposure and the, and the, the reality that we're going to expand in, in other very meaningful ways that we had prior, prior not considered prior to the IPO. Yeah, and you know those opportunities, they come at you quickly. And there's a lot of challenge in terms of the filtering out the right ones, but also not discounting ones you haven't thought of. And that's a, you know, that type of strategy, being able to understand where you're going to be in five years is a, is an un, unheralded talent in people to be able to predict the future. How, how much time do you spend on, on that? Or do you have a team that's a group of people or even one person who's focused on that from a strategic perspective and doesn't get lost in the noise of today? Yes, and I, you know, you know this, uh, Richard. Obviously, it goes back to having the right people in place in the in the yep. organization. That's something that we're very proud of to having people that with the right amount of experience in in finance, in fine in 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 corporate development, investor relations, as well as operations. Uh, but you, you you're absolutely right. I, I felt it was important. The company felt it was important that we had somebody that worked only. Uh, on strategy and mm-hmm. only in the long-term vision of the company. That's why we have a, a VP of strategy, strategy that is focused precisely on that. What are we going to be? What what goals do we want to have accomplished and checked um, in five years? How mm-hmm. are we going to continue to be differentiated from, from the other companies in the industry? How are we going to innovate? How are we going to contribute to uh, to uh, the communities that we serve and the consumers that 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 we that we serve as well? Yeah, because, you know, it's uh, the old, uh, here in Canada, we always talk about being where the puck is going, not where it is today. And, uh, you know, that's a Wayne Gretzky uh, statement for anybody who isn't familiar with hockey, but it's true in business as well. And part of when you're building and designing and running a business, you have to be looking at where it's going to be, not just where it, where it is. And it's, uh, it's a tough one because you know where you want to go. And how fast can you get there, but not get there before the rest of the market is there as well. And so I'm sure you've got a, a huge balancing act with that, as well as uh, now having to manage the investors who expect you to be where you, you think you'll be in five years yesterday. <laughs> That's good. That's correct. And it's a responsibility that I, that I was willing and, and, and ready to take, of course. Well, of course, otherwise you wouldn't be there in that role. Um, so... You know, for people who want to learn more about Flora Growth as a whole and, you know, the exciting things you're doing, not just in Colombia, but, but around the world, um, you know, they can check out the FLGC uh, ticker off the stock exchange and see the release and updates. They can visit the floragrowth.ca website. What are some other great resources to learn about your company? Well, of course, our products are being sold in, in six URLs, and that, that, that means that every, every consumer out there that wants to buy clothing that is made out of hemp in, can go to startuploungewear.com. If you want to buy skincare products, you can go to mindskincare.com or awe.com. 
You can buy uh, food and beverage products in Mambe and of course, almostvirgin.com. So there's a multitude of, of e-commerce sites from our product portfolio that are readily available to, to in investors and consumers to learn more about our brand, but more importantly, about our, the great products we are developing and selling. And that's fantastic because for most people who are participating in the space, they can't get to touch the, the product. But because you're at, at all the way through, you actually have that visibility, transparency, and ability provided to people who are interested parties. We are out of time for the day, uh, Luis, I'm sorry to say. Uh, it's been an interesting conversation. Thank you for joining us on the Green Peak. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Thanks Zwicky. for having me, Richard. Take care. Thanks, Luis. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.